You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Just wrapped up a Knicks postgame. Another Knicks victory as they move back above the 500 mark. Four straight wins for them. We could talk about the Knicks, but Sunday nights at this time, after another long day for the locals, and those have happened with more frequency the latter half of the season, you kind of knew it would. Obviously, a lot of the conversation is going to be focused on the football. The number to call, 1-800-919-3776. Lots on the Jets, lots on the Giants. At the top of the hour, 10 o'clock, Jordan Renan of ESPN will join me to talk about what happened at MetLife Stadium today. Look, two losses today for the local teams. The Jets lose in Buffalo 20-12, and the Giants lose at home to Philadelphia 48-22. And what the two games today illustrate, as if there was any doubt, and there really should not have been any doubt about which of the two New York teams is a better football team. Look, I know they're both in playoff positioning right now. And by the way, the Jets are not being helped out on Sunday night football by the Miami Dolphins because the Chargers lead 10-7, although Tyreek Hill just scored for Miami to make it 10-7. The Chargers defense looked very stout before that. The Chargers right now are 6-6, and and they are one half game behind the Jets, who are in seventh place in the AFC. And then you have the Patriots tomorrow playing in Arizona, a team that is just god-awful this season. And New England, for all of their troubles, and they, other than playing the Jets and other than playing Zach Wilson, over the last month of the season, month and a half, they really haven't looked overly impressive. Despite all of that, if they can just beat... Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and that feeble Arizona Cardinals team tomorrow, they also improved to 7-6. and six. And as everyone knows, from Robert Sala to Ira on Staten Island to Zach Wilson to Mike White, we all know what? The Patriots have the tiebreaker over the New York Jets because that's how we got here with Mike White and with Zach Wilson. Wilson's two poor performances against New England and obviously his even worse performance in the postgame press conference after the second loss, sending him to the bench and sending him to the inactive list for the last two weeks. And boy, that's an interesting decision now. As you looked in Buffalo today, Mike White leaving the game a couple of times, coming back a couple of times, fighting through a couple of big hits, injured ribs, a couple of tough shots, one in each half. And the Jets, with, look, their season's on the line right now. They turn to Joe Flacco in those spots instead of Zach Wilson. Now, that was a decision made before the game. It wasn't made in real time. Zach Wilson is the third quarterback right now, which means he's inactive for these games. So when Mike White goes down, it has to be Joe Flacco. But, boy, you really don't want it to be Joe Flacco going forward. And we'll see what happens with this Jets quarterback room because that's going to be so interesting over the next week. Look, Mike White gutted it out today, but... Is he going to be healthy next Sunday when the Jets host the Lions at MetLife Stadium? And if he's not healthy, or even if he's healthy enough to start, but you're not sure if he's going to be able to play the whole game, who's going to be the backup? Will that change Zach Wilson's status? Knowing that uh, the likelihood that Mike White might not be able to finish the game next week because of his physical condition, would they stick with Joe Flacco? Or would they go back to Zach Wilson? Robert Sala has said that he wants to get Zach Wilson back at quarterback before the end of the season. He's also said that Zach is in the middle of taking a bit of a reset. Well, how long does that reset have to last? 
Because, look, last time I was on this show at this time, it was after the Bears game, Mike White's first start of the season, the Mike White night when we were all going crazy over his first performance of the season, and rightfully so. And I was very critical of Zach. A lot of people have been very critical of Zach, and rightfully so. But I got to be honest, for as critical as I have been of the guy, I think he gives the Jets a better chance than Joe Flacco does right now. Especially, and look, Buffalo is the top team in the AFC for a reason. All right, They have a terrific defensive line. They put pressure on Mike White and the Jets quarterbacks all day long. The Jets had a rough day injury-wise with Quinn and Williams and George Fant and White going out a couple of times. Corey Davis makes a catch early in the game, and then he leaves with a concussion. So it was a really, really rough day for the Jets on the injury front. The offensive line has already endured several injuries this season. And now with Fant going down for how long, we don't know. They become even more depleted. Look, when you have a compromised offensive line, you want a quarterback behind it that can at least move around a little bit and show some escapability. And Zach Wilson has that. He certainly has that more than Joe Flacco. You know, does he have Flacco's arm? Does he have Flacco's feel for the game? Does he have Flacco's ability to read a defense? No, he doesn't. Will he ever? Probably not. Flacco is you know, a, a longtime veteran, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a longtime starter in this league. And there's a reason why he's still drawing a paycheck somewhere because he can do all of those things in a pinch. But he can't do them if you can't protect him. And if you can't protect him, there's really no reason for Flacco to be out there. And that was a big problem today. And will that be a big problem against the Lions next week? Maybe. That's the last team you want to face right now if you're the Jets. I mean, talk about a 6-7 and seven team that you want no part of. And I was here on Thursday night. I talked about the three 5-7 and seven teams that you didn't want any part of. One was the Steelers. Well, they lost today, but they lost their quarterback. They played against the first-place Ravens team, and they still almost won the game. So I still continue to say you don't want any part of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Now, if Kenny Pickett is unable to go next week because he was out with the concussion today, that changes things a little. On Thursday night, the other 5-7 and seven team I said you didn't want any part of was the Las Vegas Raiders. And for most of my show on Thursday night when I was on 10 to midnight, they were on their way to improving to 6-7. and seven. And we all know what happened at SoFi Stadium. Baker Mayfield's miracle comeback with two touchdown passes in the final four minutes to erase a 16-3 to three deficit and lead to a 17-16 Rams win. The third 5-7 and seven team you want no part of they are now 6-7, and seven, and that's the Detroit Lions. And the Lions are not only winning, but winning so impressively. You know, they got a lot of news before the game today. There was a lot of talk about the fact that they were 5-7, and seven, and yes, they were home, but they were favored over the 10-2 and two Vikings. And there was some stat where over the last... 20 or something years, I don't know the exact period of time, but it was a very rare occurrence in which a team with five wins is favored over a team with 10 wins. And it had happened four times over the course of whatever time period they had said. I wish I remembered the exact time period, but two of the times that it happened were one of those week 17 games where the 10-win team had everything wrapped up and was resting their starting quarterback. So that's why the five-win team was favored there. This was legit. You know, Vegas, 
the odds makers, the bookmakers, they looked at the 10 and 2 Vikings, they looked at the 5 and 7 Lions, and they said, yeah, Detroit should be favored by a point and a half, by two points. They were. They go out and they dominate the game. A 34 to 23 win over the Vikings, which brings me to the Giants. Okay, because. The Giants were, in one sense, helped out today by the Carolina Panthers. And we'll get to the Giants' performance, their 48-22 loss to the Eagles. Really the first really ugly defeat that they've suffered this season. Okay? It was reminiscent of the last couple of years. And, and, and there's a lot that goes into that, which we'll touch on. But for the last several weeks, the Giants have been focusing on the Commanders and the Seahawks. All right? You look at the NFC there are three wild card spots. One of them is going to the Cowboys. That leaves two for three teams, the Giants, the Commanders, and the Seahawks. Commanders didn't play today. They move up to seventh place. Giants are still in, uh, excuse me, the Commanders move up to sixth place. The Giants are still in seventh because Seattle lost at home to a Carolina team that's playing much better down the stretch. All right, so you think, okay, cool. The Giants still have the upper hand. Huge break for them. Seattle losing. Giants stay ahead of them. But wait a minute. There has been a fourth team that has very much entered this mix. And that fourth team is the Detroit Lions. The Lions have gone from a team. The Lions got off to a 1-6 and six start. And there were some ugly losses. There was an ugly loss to New England where they were shut out. There were some games where... The game management, the clock management in late game situations was ugly. And it had a sense of same old Lions. You know, beginning of the season, people thought the Lions were going to be much improved. Now, a lot of that was what we call the hard knocks effect. They were the team on hard knocks this year. Dan Campbell's entertaining. He's a soundbite. He's a rah-rah guy. And generally, when you watch hard knocks, you come away feeling pretty good about the prospects of that team. And then the Lions come out this season and completely lay an egg, one and six. And remember about a month ago, they came into MetLife Stadium and ran roughshod over the Giants. And a lot of people thought, okay, well, the Lions are starting to play a little bit better, and it was an off day for the Giants. It's a lot more than that. This team is absolutely legit right now with their record of six and seven, and now the Giants are seven, five, and one. The Lions are very much a factor in the NFC playoff picture. And wouldn't you know it, next week's game for the Jets at MetLife Stadium is against those Detroit Lions. So you look at the Jets' schedule down the stretch, two home games, Detroit and Jacksonville, and then at Seattle and at Miami. Three of the four teams they're playing, or excuse me, two of the four teams they're playing are under 500. But Detroit and Jacksonville are two of the better under 500 teams in the NFL. Jacksonville is still alive to win the AFC South. They're 5-8, and eight, but they went to Nashville today and took it to Tennessee, which is really struggling. Jacksonville wins 36-22. Trevor Lawrence threw for 368 yards and three touchdowns. So now they're two games behind the Titans. They play them again. So if Jacksonville can win that game, they would pull to within a game. They would also have the tiebreaker. So Jacksonville has something to fight for 
when they come to MetLife Stadium in two weeks. And Detroit certainly has something to fight for when they visit the Jets next week. So this is not going to be a cakewalk. I said this on Thursday, and today I believe it even more. I think the Jets' easiest game, despite this being historically one of the most difficult places to play in the NFL, I do think the Jets' easiest game remaining this season is the one at Seattle in Week 17. Seattle, to me, has the feel of the Giants. A t- Look, Seattle was a popular pick before the season. People were betting them as the NFL team with the fewest wins. Their season was very similar to the Giants' season. All right, unsung quarterback playing the best football of his career, riding a defense that played terrific football, riding the running game. Obviously, the first half of the season for the Giants was the rejuvenation of Saquon Barkley. For the um, for the Seahawks, it was the rookie Walker out of Michigan State who's been nicked up the last couple of weeks. Barkley's been nicked up the last couple of weeks. They got out of the gate quickly. The Giants certainly saw that when they went out to Seattle and were handed a somewhat lopsided loss, their first lopsided loss of the season. But now you're starting to see some cracks in the foundation for the Seahawks, and we have certainly seen cracks in the foundation for the Giants. Now 0-3-1 in their last four games, and since the Giants' 6-1 start, they're 1-4-1. So the overriding question that that we'll discuss throughout the night, is there any way that this season for both the Giants or the Jets, depending on what side of the fan ledger you fall on, Is there any way that these seasons can be considered a disappointment? Because at the beginning of the year, I I think we can all agree, here on December 11th, if we're talking about week 15 next week, Giants currently occupy a playoff spot at the NFC, Jets currently occupy a playoff spot in the AFC. If we were talking that at the beginning of the season, I don't think there's a person in the tri-state area who would have thought that if you're talking about that this late in the season, then there's no way you can consider these seasons a failure. But they got off to such great starts, and now they're holding on by a thread. Although I want to be careful not to put the Giants and the Jets situations in the same bucket. Because the Jets... If this is possible, and I know there are no such things as moral victories, but the Jets the last couple of weeks, in my mind, were at least noble in defeat. On the road against a 9-2 and team in Minnesota, they fall behind 20-3, to and they had a chance to win. They fought tooth and nail to get back into that game. They played well enough to win. And today, at Buffalo, awful conditions. Bills are fighting for a number one seed. You're going up against one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, and you're going up a team that you had already beaten, so they wanted their revenge. You get battered and bruised. Your quarterback leaves the game twice. Your best defensive player on the line leaves the game, and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. You lose one of your top wide receivers early. You lose an offensive lineman, and still, you kept on coming. You still had the ball in the final minute with a chance to tie the game in a one-possession game. So I don't know if Jets fans want to hear that right now, but the Jets these last two weeks were noble in defeat. Now, you look at the remaining schedule, you can't be noble in defeat anymore. You need to win these games now because 
there's a very good chance you're going to wake up on Tuesday morning after New England has beaten Arizona, and you will no longer be occupying a playoff spot. Now, doesn't mean you're out of it. All you have to do is win your games, and you will be in the field at the end of the season. But you can't, and I, I'm not saying that the Jets are doing this. This is my perception of them right now. All right, there are different degrees of losses, and I've had arguments with callers through the years that there's callers that'll say there's no such thing as a good loss. I'm not calling it a good loss, but there's a difference in how the Jets lost today and how the Jets lost last week in Minnesota. There's a difference between those two scenarios, which to me are similar, and how the Giants lost today against the Eagles, in which they were non-competitive, in which they didn't look like they belonged on the same field. That being said, it might be easier for the Giants to find a path into the playoffs in the NFC. And a big reason for that might be the New York Jets because they play the Lions next week at MetLife Stadium. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. After the game today, a lot of comments from Salah that we'll get to, but uh, he doesn't think this is the last time the Jets and Bills will see each other this season. I love our guys. They fight their tails off, but I, I think I speak for everyone in that we miss an op. We're going to see these guys again. So, What makes you say that? I just think we are. So the head coach of the Jets speaking with a lot of confidence. Look, first and foremost for me today, I know his record is now 1-2, and two, and I know Zach Wilson technically had a winning record, but the situations are completely different between the games and the quote-unquote gauntlet that Zach Wilson had to navigate and these last three games for Mike White. First of all, two of the games for Mike White were in absolutely awful weather conditions. Um, two of them were on the road against teams at or very near the top of their respective conferences. And yet in both games, Mike White and the Jets defense, of course, gave his team, a chance to win. They had a very good chance to win last week in Minnesota. And I'm included in the large group of people that doesn't think that the Vikings are as good as now their 10-3 and record. All right, they're still 10-3. and They're going to win the division. They're going to host a playoff game. And they are one of the top 10 teams in the NFL. But if that's not good enough for you, the Bills are the number one team right now in the AFC and have everything to play for. And for nearly six, uh, for nearly 30 minutes in that game today, the Jets and their defense and their quarterback, although the Jets hadn't put any points on the board, but the Jets went toe-to-toe with that team. In fact, it turned around with the Mosley penalty, which I don't think enough was made of that in real time watching the broadcast with Nance and Romo. That was, that was an awful for the time that that penalty took place in the game and the situation that it took place. Look, there's different types of tie games. There's a 28-28 tie, which is a shootout, and in which both teams are flying up and down the field, answering a touchdown with a touchdown. And then there's a game where you're late in the second quarter and nobody has scored a point. And it's snowing, and it's raining, and it's windy, and you're playing in awful conditions, whatever happens to be coming off of Lake Erie at that moment. That's a different kind of tie than a 28-28 game inside of a dome 
or in a warm weather location. So for Mosley, a veteran who, I mean, he is such a good player. He's he's having such a great season, and it's been terrific to finally see him playing, available, healthy, and performing at this level. But that was an awful offsides penalty on a fourth and one at that time because Buffalo had no intention of snapping the ball. I mean, they had Dawson Knox lining up under center to try to draw them offsides. You can't jump offsides in that situation, especially in a game like that against a team like that where you have so little margin for error. And it gave them a fresh set of downs, and they drove down the field, and they scored the first touchdown of the game, and they certainly took advantage of that. Robert Sala afterwards was asked about the C.J. Mosley penalty. If you remember, you know, that's, that's kind of the uh, in vogue thing right now where they quarterback looks like he doesn't know what's going on, and then they, they, uh, they snap the ball with uh, somebody going in motion. And um, uh, Miami got us on one, uh, if you guys remember that, back in week two or, or whatever week that was. Um, good pre-snap play design. They probably weren't even going to snap it, but it was good pre-snap play design. you, you got to be more disciplined than that. And the game, and this is my point, the game that Sal is talking about, where Miami got them on that, All right, that was week five at MetLife Stadium, a game in which um, Tua wasn't playing because he was dealing with the concussions, and then Teddy Bridgewater started the game and left with an injury. So the Jets were facing the Dolphins' third-string quarterback. They won that game 40-17. to All right, so it happened in that game, and Miami drew them off sides in a similar situation. That is not 0-0, second quarter, defensive slugfest, weather so bad you're not sure who's going to have the opportunity to score first. This was a completely different situation. The Jets and C.J. Mosley getting called for that penalty in that spot today really in many ways turned the game around. Now, Mike White is the other part of the story. And I started this segment by saying that even in defeat these last two weeks, Mike White, to me, has further solidified his hold on the Jets' starting quarterback job. Just look contrast what the Jets offense looks like with White playing quarterback with Joe Flacco and then understand that Salah and the Jets coaching staff right now feels that Flacco is a better option as a backup than Zach Wilson will that change next week I don't know I think it should I think it's time to bring Zach back out of the doghouse it's evident to me you're not getting a high quality of performance from Joe Flacco right now. And again, difficult conditions today. Hard to come into that situation cold against that defense in those elements. But that's the job description. All right. And again, if the offensive line has trouble with protection, then you need a quarterback back there who can run around a little bit. Like Daniel Jones. The Giants offensive line has had a lot of trouble with protection these last couple of weeks. And any offense that the Giants can muster seems to be a result of Jones' ability to scramble and run for yardage. But back to how this pertains to the Jets. All right. Mike White, in both of these games, has given his team a chance to win. First off, he takes a pop from Ed Oliver in the second quarter. Goes off for just two plays. It looked like he was down right away, not getting up. Flacco came in in the middle of the series and played two plays, two unsuccessful plays, including one in which he overthrew a man. 
and then White comes in on third down and throws a beautiful pass towards the sideline to pick up a first down. That was the first time White came back in. Then he was hit in the second half, had injured ribs, and came back in again in the second half. So Salah spoke about the decision to put White back in. He's tough. I mean, shoot, he's, um, you know, he's not, he, he, play, he, he plays the game really well. He plays very fast. He processes very, uh, very well. Um, gets the, for the most part, gets rid of the ball pretty good. And uh, I, I, I think it showed everybody else more than what we already know with regards to how tough he is. All right. More importantly, if White is healthy next week, is he the Jets' starting quarterback? Assuming nothing checks out, assuming everything's okay with Mike, is he your quarterback next week? Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. All right. There you go. And that's what it should be. Look, very, very difficult circumstances for White these last couple of weeks. The injuries had a lot to do with the Jets' performance today. But the bottom line is now you are in you're, you're in a dogfight. And it's great that your head coach came into the press conference room after, showed confidence in your team. It's great that you fell behind by a lot in Minnesota last week and you battled back and you had a chance on the one-yard line to go ahead and possibly win the game. It's great that you went up to Buffalo, a team that had every reason to take it to you in some sort of a revenge game after what happened at MetLife Stadium just five weeks ago, and you didn't let them do that. You didn't. The game, if it ever even got somewhat out of hand, it did so because of the rash of injuries. Again, that's part of the game, but at some point, enough is enough. I mean, you're already going up against a superior team. Then you lose your best defensive lineman. Your quarterback is in and out of the game. You lose one of your top wide receivers. You lose another one of your offensive linemen. I mean, at some point, enough is going to be enough. And the Giants, I think, are at that point, too, where we're finding that out. We'll hear more on that uh, just after 10 o'clock when Jordan Renan joins us to talk about the day at MetLife Stadium. But despite all of that, the Jets, 20-7, to then they get the safety, they get a break there, 20-9, to 20-12 on the field goal, get a stop, get the ball back in the final minute, and you still, I mean, look, you had to go 80 yards, you had to score a touchdown, you had to convert the two-point conversion, so it was a long shot. But from 20-7 to down to having that chance in the final minute, I do think says something. But the... Moral victories, the losing nobly, that stops now, right? This is a 7-6 and six team that is playing for its playoff lives. And the final four games, they're all winnable, but you can lose them all also because you're playing against four teams. You're not playing against any patsies. Like, there's a handful of teams in the NFL that I would love to play against right now just because they're just running on fumes, And I would have said before today that the Houston Texans were one of them. They probably still are, but they gave the Cowboys all that they could handle. You know, I would have said before this week that the Rams are one of those teams until their miraculous comeback on Thursday night to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. But I still think the Rams are one of those teams. But Detroit has won five of six, and they're nipping on the heels of the Seahawks, of the Giants, of the Commanders. Detroit thinks they're a playoff team right now. Detroit thinks they can run the table against the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers. Detroit looks at its schedule right now, and I'm looking at their schedule right now because this pertains to the Giants too. Their toughest game the rest of the way is probably the one at the Jets on Sunday, unless you think that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay with nothing to play for in Week 18 are going to give them a hard time. 
So Detroit's coming in loaded for Bear. And Jacksonville is a factor now. I know they're 5-8, and eight, but they're two games behind Tennessee. They play Tennessee again. They beat them today badly in Nashville. So you beat them again in your second and final meeting. Then you've just got to make up one game somewhere else. Those are the next two games. We know that Seattle is right in the middle of a playoff push in the NFC, along with Washington, the Giants, and Detroit. We'll see what Week 18 brings with the Dolphins. Dolphins are 8-4, and four, wild card team right now. Not completely comfortable, and they're playing the Chargers right now, and they're losing. Late in the second quarter, it's 10-7, to seven, Chargers over Miami. So that's who the Jets have. What's that Week 18 game going to mean for Miami? It's going to mean a lot. It might mean a fifth seed as opposed to a sixth seed. It might for them, because their schedule is not easy, it might for them mean a chance to get into the playoffs. They might need that game to get into the playoffs. They still might be battling with the Jets for that game. And don't forget the Jets beat them. So the Jets right now have the tiebreaker over the Miami Dolphins. So it's not an easy schedule for the Jets coming down the stretch. Mike White has solidified himself as their starting quarterback even more so. And they've got to get some key players back healthy. You know, you hold your breath on Quinn and Williams. The reason why this Jets team has a chance to make some noise if they can get into the playoffs is because of their superior defense. They have one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. But a big reason why they're one of the best defenses in the entire NFL is that guy right in the middle of the defensive line, Quinn and Williams. And if you want to point to one injury they can't afford right now on that side of the ball, him or Sauce Gardner or C.J. Mosley, look, they have terrific defensive players, but it all starts up front on the line. And Williams left with a calf injury. You know, when you're watching it in real time and then you watch the replay in the immediate aftermath, it appears to be one of those non-contact injuries. So you're still kind of holding your breath to see what the situation is with Quinn and Williams because he's such an important factor of this team. But the Jets have proven, and they proved it today, they can beat anyone in the AFC. Maybe not the Chiefs, although the Chiefs had their own struggles today against Denver. But the Jets can beat the Bills. They beat them once, and they hung right with them again today. So there's a lot at stake for the Jets. The hardest part for them might be simply getting into the playoffs. That's looking increasingly hard for the Giants as well. We'll talk about their day at MetLife Stadium coming next on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.